the infrastructure bill inches closer in Congress, but so does COVID. Hey, girls and guys, I'm Brandy with an I, and this is Did You Hear the News? Okie doke, as usual, let's get into the calm before the storm. So last week, while I was talking to you guys, senators were meeting and working and writing. And on Monday, it was announced by Majority Leader Chuck Schumer that they had a written bill for the infrastructure plan, which, yay, thank God, thank goodness, They've been working on it for a while. So they wrote the bill. Now they're moving on to the amendment portion. And as I talk to you right now, apparently they are working and they should be holding a vote, another test vote, if I'm not mistaken, um, to see if they can pass that along. I think if that passes along, then it goes to the House. And then the House gets to look at it and they get to determine if they want to change or tweak anything. And then at that point, it will go back to the Senate. Now, who knows if that's what the House will do? I don't know. I don't know if the progressives are going to be happy enough with it to support it. As is, I, once again, I told you guys last week, I feel like it's a very delicate situation in which like, it has to remain close to whatever it is in the Senate for it to pass when it goes back to the Senate. Because after it goes to the House and they do what they do, and then they vote on it, it has to go back to the Senate for the Senate to vote on it. And uh, it's a delicate balance very delicate uh so best of luck to them they seem to be very confident in what they have written and what they have going on so all i can say is best of luck for that uh yeah yeah so we'll see what that vote today brings about they are once again going on recess um, this week, if I'm not mistaken, if some people aren't already on recess. So they should be, uh, wrapping it up for a couple weeks. We'll see. Also, <laughs> last week I told you on the podcast that the eviction moratorium was set to expire Saturday when I was recording, uh, at the end of the night. And Rep. Cory Bush and Ilhan Omar and Ayanna Presley were there with her over the weekend. And then during the week, uh, AOC showed up. Elizabeth Warren popped up. More people came. She slept on those steps for five days and four nights until the CDC or 
the Biden administration or whoever finally decided to stop playing games and expand the eviction moratorium again. So <laughs> that's what happened. They did that on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was. Whatever it was, it was a huge victory for Cori Bush because many people were saying that she wouldn't make any kind of change. She was just out there risking her back and her body for nothing sleeping on those cold stone steps but that appears not to be true it appears that her antics as they were called one article called them antics that won't get her anywhere uh apparently those antics work and the eviction moratorium was expanded now here's why the Biden administration was dragging their feet on expanding that moratorium. If you recall, and maybe you don't, a few months ago, I think it was around May or June, basically the Supreme Court said that the CDC didn't have the authority to expand the moratorium, but because it was it was only like a month or so until it was expiring. They were like, we'll uphold it. So that's why President Biden was like, it's up to Congress to figure it out and make the change. Well, Congress went to the House <laughs> and Cori Bush said, this is unacceptable. Y'all need to come back. We need to make sure people aren't facing eviction. And Congress did not come back. <laughs> they did not come back. They were not back in session. But basically, the Biden administration was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have to do something. Because here's the thing. No one expected at the beginning of July even that the Delta variant was going to be cutting the fool. And I don't know why. Because if you saw India a few months ago and that's where the delta variant came from the delta variant basically started in india and india was having a extremely tough time with the delta variant the people over there were fighting for oxygen they were traveling to different spots just to see if they can get oxygen for their loved ones when their loved ones were in the hospital the hospitals were so overrun that the family members were taking care of their family in the hospital. Like family members are the ones who are trying to resuscitate their loved ones once they lose their life to COVID. Like they're in the hospital room trying to perform life-saving procedures on their family members as they die like that's how bad it was in india they had mass cremation sites in india very very bad and now the delta variant is over here and it's making up like what 85 percent of covid infections here where the first covid variant that we knew about you could maybe infect, one person could maybe infect like two or three. But now with this variant, it can be like five to seven. And then those can infect five to seven. You know what I'm saying? So like we should have saw it coming. 
but we weren't sure how vaccines were going to help. And if you recall, for a while, vaccines had us looking good in the neighborhood. Boy, everybody was opening up. California was like, we we, we going to open it wide open June, June 15th. Like, no one really expected this when they were like, okay, we'll, we'll just let the moratorium expire. Like, no one was expecting it. Um, but I still think it was kind of, they were kind of ill-prepared. Like, watch the trends. You guys have the best information out there. Watch the trends. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense. I don't, I don't have the insight that the CDC has. When CDC starts seeing that issues getting real, they should have been saying, okay, well, maybe we need to rethink some of the things that are set to expire. I don't know whose fault that was for lapsing. Once again, like I said, I think they thought, oh, well, it's out of our control. But at the same time, President Biden waited until like two or three days before the moratorium was supposed to expire. Once again, even a week before, I don't know if we, the public, expected for things to get at bad. But once again, they have the data. Like, they have the data we don't have, right? So they should have been ahead of the game on that. So um, that's where we are with that. It is a limited moratorium. They're calling it a targeted moratorium, I think, is the, the phrasing that they use, which is really interesting because it says if you live in an area that is, like, moderate to high, but that's, like, most of the U.S. right now. <laughs> so that's like millions of people, fortunately, uh, that will not be facing eviction. Here's part of the issue, right? Part of the issue is that, as I said last week, in that American Rescue Plan, there was money for rental assistance. Now, whether people don't know about that or people do know about it, but the money is slow to go out because apparently that is the issue. For some reason, the money is not going out like it should. I don't know who to blame. I don't know if that's like local, state, government type things, which I think it is. The money is slow to go out. So basically what they're trying to do now is give these people a little bit of time so that if they were working through that rental assistance, like that money can get to their landlords. But of course, as you know, the landlords have already started suing the Biden administration or whoever because of the moratorium. So it's really just a slippery slope. I see a lot of... <laughs> I see a lot of arguments about this, especially like on Twitter. I think a lot of people believe that most of the people that are facing eviction are people that got stimulus checks and got like child tax credits and should be able to pay their bills. And I'm going to tell you now, I don't know how, especially if you weren't one of those families that was getting that unemployment, because not everyone got that unemployment. Like, let's be real about it. Not everyone was eligible for those extra unemployment benefits. Some people might have 
kept their jobs so they were still low paying jobs or whatever what have you so i just i think it's insane that y'all think that the amount of money that was received in stimulus checks was enough to save a family who was possibly like three, four, five months behind already. It wasn't. The median rent in the US is like what, like $1,200? And you have people that are still making $7.25. Like, we can't even get minimum wage to a point that people can actually live. And you think that people that were living on $7.25 are facing eviction just because they didn't spend their stimulus checks right? I want us to get out of the idea that all poor people need to do is save or get the financial literacy to get themselves out of extreme poverty when that's not the case like you could know what to do with your money and how to spend it better but if you don't have money then there's no there's no amount of financial literacy that can help you get out of poverty. The same as saving. If you don't have enough money to save, you can't just you just can't release yourself from the shackles of poverty that easily. It's not easy for everyone, especially for those who are buying the bare necessities and have no money left over for anything. And in shame on y'all, some of y'all who feel like y'all have to shame people for what they spend their money on. We won't even get into that. But anyways, so I just, I like I said on Twitter, I see the argument that, you know, maybe these people should have either spent their money better or their stimulus better or whatnot. And then on the other hand, I see people saying that, you know, landlords should get real jobs. I'm not even going to get into that. I don't know what it entails to be a landlord. I don't know what kind of skills or whatever they need. Um, but I think the general consensus from that argument is that it takes nothing and a landlord, I guess, just buys a property and just sits and waits to make income from other people's income. I think that's the what people are getting at. I don't know. Either way, the government's the issue. <laughs> It's the government's fault. Everything that we're going through with COVID is the government's fault. Y'all can argue with me, but we are where we are right now because the government and the previous administration did a terrible job. I'm not here to say that this current administration is doing extremely better. I'm not here to say that everything changed once they came in, but... I don't see them rectifying everything that was broken due to the last administration's negligence either. Like I just I just feel like we have someone who's paying more attention, but that doesn't mean they're taking all the actions that they should. That's just how I feel. That's me personally. Y'all might feel different. I understand like 
Joe came in, they work. The American Rescue Plan, huge deal. Absolutely. But as far as COVID itself goes, like where where are we any different? We went from, you know, trying to do the things like masking up and everything to the vaccine being the end all be all. And I feel like that's what we, why we are where we are because we had already had an administration who basically was fighting every smart scientific decision anyway. Regardless, I blame the government. They should have did better. They really fumbled it when it came to that eviction moratorium. It should have never gotten to where it was. I'm glad that it was ex- extended. Um, I guess landlords do what you have to do. Uh, I guess people who are facing eviction do what you have to do. But I feel like the government really dropped the ball on that. And that's just, that's all I can say. Speaking of dropping the ball, I do want to commend Senator John Ossoff, who is trying to pick it up and at least, you know, get a touchdown off of it. Because as I mentioned to you guys, maybe last week, maybe the week before, uh, voting rights seems super stalled. There were over a hundred, I think, like state legislators who actually came to Washington uh, in the past week to meet with those Texas Democrats so that they could put more pressure on, you know, Congress as far as these voting rights go. I didn't really see any updates on how that went. Good luck to them. But Senator John Ossoff has introduced a bill um, for the voting right itself. So basically, this law is called the Right to Vote Act, and this is what it does. It protects American citizens' fundamental right to vote. It establishes a first-ever statutory right to vote in federal elections, protecting U.S. citizens from laws that make it harder to cast a ballot. The bill allows Americans to enforce their right by challenging in court any policy that restricts ballot access. States attempting to restrict voting access will have to meet a high bar to justify any policy that makes it harder for U.S. citizens to participate in federal elections. The Right to Vote Act protects all actions necessary for Americans to participate in elections, including register to vote, obtaining any ID required to vote, casting a ballot, and ensuring that ballot is counted. What does all those words mean, Brandy? So basically, we've been going around here talking about our right to vote and it's our God-given right and all this other stuff, but it's actually not technically written in our law so what they're trying to do with this bill it's not just john ossoff i think uh california state senator alex padilla he was the one who also was um he was basically um inaugurated or confirmed or whatever the same day that john ossoff and Raphael warnock were he is the senator who replaced Senator, now Vice President Kamala Harris. He is co-sponsoring this bill. Basically, what they're saying is that U.S. citizens also deserve the right to file legal suits 
when it comes to their voting rights, right? So what if this law is voted on and made, or if this act is voted on and made a law, that means that you as a citizen will have more direct action to push back on the crazy, ridiculous laws that we've been seeing. So right now, really the only people that can sue would be like organizations or like DOJ or whatever, like civil rights lawyers and stuff like that. But now as a person, if you live in Georgia or Florida or Texas, where like we see these ridiculous bills being passed, you can say, hey, like, no, this is the issue. This is going to impede my right or the rights of, you know, other citizens that I might know to vote. Here's why. You get to take a, a court challenge. And the government of that state can't just be like, well, we're doing it because we want to. Like, no, they have to give ironclad reasons as to why they want to change voting to affect people and make it harder for them to vote. So I think that's awesome. I didn't realize that, not that I'm saying I know law like that, but I didn't realize that it actually technically isn't on the books that, you know, it's a right for U.S. citizens to vote. Once again, we're not talking about people who are not eligible to vote. We're not talking about immigrants and migrants who just come over and they, no we're talking about u.s citizens who have the right to vote now don't ask me what that means for like felons and stuff like that those people that lose their voting rights once they have like come out of jail so i don't know how it affects that i haven't seen that yet he just announced this maybe like thursday this week but I think it's pretty awesome. Uh, New York rep Mondaire Jones has already introduced um, basically uh, like a twin bill in the house. So I think that's a great deal. What I will say though is let's watch. <laughs> let's watch how Republicans respond to this, right? Because it seems straightforward, right? It seems like, yeah. The people who are eligible to vote should have that right protected by law. Like, why haven't we done it? Watch. Let's watch the other side of the aisle and see what reasons they give against it. If they give any at all, they might be like, yeah, sure. But I have I have a strong inkling that it's going to be like whatever those like voter idea, ID and... Of voter registration. I feel like they're going to push back on that type of stuff. That's just me. Because that's just how they do. Um, And I just want to say it again. Because. I see this all the time. I really do. And it's like so annoying. But I don't have it in me. To fight. And argue with strangers on the internet. That I do not know. Um. None of the Democrats are against voter ID. Stacey Abrams is not against voter ID. Latasha uh, Brown is not against voter ID. No one is against voter ID or the idea of voter ID. What, what we're against is restrictive voter ID. Right? Taking away the types of ID 
that certain communities are more likely to have because you know that it will keep those communities from voting. Hello, like, and a lot of y'all ask, like, well, you gotta you gotta have a, a ID to fly on a plane to drive your car. Do you have a, like? Yeah, you you have to have a, a ID to do those things. But there are people who are eligible to vote who don't drive cars, who probably haven't flown on planes. Like there are reasons that people don't have valid ID. You know what you could do? Google. You could Google and figure out why. I saw a comment on a YouTube video this week that said like no one in their right mind or whatever would not have an ID. And I was just like, what a privileged thing to say. Like what a privileged thing to say. What a privileged thing to think that ID is just, you know, everybody has it like you're born with it. Like you get it at when you're born like a social security card. No, that's not the case. Not everybody has an ID. There are many reasons why people don't have IDs. If you're going to make ID a requirement, then give people free IDs. It's been said before many times, many ways. Give people real give people real free IDs. So that if they want, if you're going to make that a requirement, see, that's the issue. If you're going to require something, but people have to pay for it, then it becomes a poll tax, right? If you're saying that I have to have a government issue ID, but that ID is not free, then guess what? That's a poll tax. Now, if you're saying, hey, we gave y'all all free government IDs. You need to bring that when you vote. That's one thing. But that's not what the government is trying to do. That's not what Republicans are trying to do. That's part of the issue. Anyways, I just wanted to go off on that tangent because that like, in it blows my mind. It, it really does. Not to mention uh, people that live on reservations, uh, American Indians that live on reservations might not necessarily have driver's license. Like, and before could like use their reservation ID, but like, then you want to create laws that say, no, they can't use that type of ID. So what happens? This is what we're talking about. We're not talking about you having to identify yourself as the person you are. That's fine. Everyone should have to do that to vote, right? But we're talking about the types of IDs that you accept and the types of IDs that you don't accept and how that cuts off many types of people from voting normally the people that republicans don't want to vote because they don't think they'll vote for them anyways moving on shout out to john ossoff uh senator padilla on that everybody on twitter was saying he's working his ossoff and i was like that's funny it's kind of cute um but yeah shout out to them for working um i appreciate it i think that's a great bill let's see how it's pushed back upon because I know it will. Nothing seats the Republicans. So, as I mentioned before, Delta variant of COVID is out here. She's out in these streets. She's everywhere. You could guess that she would be including houseboats. 
I say that because this week, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina came out and said that he had tested positive for COVID, which, okay. And he was, you know, not feeling too terrible. He felt like he had a sinus infection. He's very thankful he got the vaccine because had he not... He's sure it probably would have been much worse for him. Y'all go get your vaccines, whatever. And everybody was like, what? Not Lindsey Graham, but okay. And then they were like, well, wait. Lindsey Graham has been out in these streets, um, which is interesting. Don't forget, I told y'all last week that the house was basically revolting against Nancy Pelosi's mask mandate. So then they went to the Senate. So they just basically followed COVID to the Senate. Anyways, so Lindsey Graham said that he had COVID. He did not receive a lot of sympathies. More so, people were like, where the heck were you? Like, where have you been? Who have you been in contact with? And turns out, quite a few people, including you guys' favorite senator from West Virginia, Joe Manchin. So, apparently, Joe Manchin had a little gathering on his houseboat. If I never mentioned that to you guys before on this podcast, I'm very sorry. Senator Joe Manchin has a houseboat. Now, it's not like a little rickety boat. Like, it's a legit boat. I think I read it's like $700,000 boat. Like, it's a legit boat. It's a houseboat. Um, and apparently Lindsey Graham was on the boat. Joe Manchin was on the boat. Senator Mark Kelly from Arizona, I think, was on the boat, which was kind of surprising to some people because they were like, does he even hang with them? Anyways, it doesn't matter. He was on the boat. These guys were on the houseboat together. Uh, at that point, I think Manchin and Mark Kelly's teams were like, they're following the CDC guys. I don't know if they got together and were like, let's just all say the same thing because they all were like, we're following the CDC guidance on like what happens if you're vaccinated and get COVID or like what happens if you're vaccinated and you're in contact with someone who's got COVID. So I think they were kind of just like laying low for about 10 days or whatever. So... <laughs> when I saw it, I laughed. I laughed. Not because Lindsey Graham has COVID, but because Lindsey Graham is not doing anything at all that I've seen. And I might be wrong. I don't live in South Carolina. I don't see the ads. I don't really follow the social media, but I have not seen Lindsey Graham doing much of anything to like get people vaccinated or, you know, explain the seriousness of COVID in general. Like, I haven't seen any of that, like, at all. And I'm just like, oh, now, you know, use yourself and your story as a way to, like, try to push the vaccine. It's disgusting. Same thing Mitch McConnell did. Now, let me be fair. I think Mitch McConnell was always like on the get vaccinated train. Now he wasn't screaming it from the rafters, but any chance he could get in front of a microphone, he would be like, y'all like get the vaccine. And apparently now he's using the fact like, you know, he's a polio survivor. 
He was around that time long, long, long ago when polio was a real issue. And so he had polio. So he knows like, he knows about vaccines and how great they can be in a time where a disease is ravaging the country. And so he's been trying to use that, I guess, um, to basically tell people to get vaccinated. And that's fine. But like, Lindsay, really? Really, Lindsay? They're all getting on my nerves. Also, I don't know if you guys recall. You probably don't. You probably didn't care. Sometime early in the game, Nancy Pelosi also was like, hey, if y'all don't wear y'all masks, you're going to get fined. That was like a few months ago, I think. It might have been earlier in the pandemic. Can't remember. Um, some people got fines, like your Marjorie Taylor Greens and a few other. I think it was three people got fined. Well, one of the gentlemen, I'm sorry, people got fined. Three of them decided to sue <laughs> Speaker Pelosi because idiots. Now, one of the gentlemen who is suing Nance has the COVID. Breakthrough infection. Fortunately, he was vaccinated, but he's got COVID. And it's like, y'all keep making the point, right? You keep making the point, right? Because you're vaccinated, but now you have the virus. And CDC has already said that apparently people who are vaccinated that get the virus can spread it almost as easily as people who are not vaccinated and get the virus. Like, Delta's that serious. So now, you've been fighting and hollering and pulling all these shenanigans about wearing a mask in the house, and you done got the COVID, and you probably didn't be breathing around all the rest of those that were hooting and hollering about getting COVID. I mean, about wearing masks in the house. And probably didn't pass it to them. This is the stuff I can't I can't get jiggy with because it don't make no sense. Like it don't make no sense. It just don't make no sense. I'm tired. I'm tired of having to see the posts of people laughing at y'all on the internet after y'all talked all big and bad about not wearing masks and not wearing vaccines. And the next thing you know, you are at the gates. Because I don't relish in stuff like that. I think that's very sad. I think it's very sad that there's a vaccine that's out that's free. Or at least there's a mask that you can buy that you can at least wear to try to protect yourself. And you don't want to do none of that. And the next thing you know, you're on a ventilator begging, pleading with the nurse to help you. And the nurse is telling you, I can't do anything for you. It's too late for you now. I'll probably be the last face you see. Do you want me to to call your people on FaceTime or Zoom or Skype so you can tell them goodbye? Like, I don't think it's funny, but I keep opening social media and seeing the same stories. The same stories of y'all talking big and bad about the vaccine. And then next thing you know, when you can't breathe, 
when you have to be intubated, you want it. It's sad. It's sad. And it's even sadder. We have these congressmen and women who are taking it as a joke. Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, I'm talking about y'all. What is, why are you trying to kill the children? I don't understand. I really don't understand. Governor Ron DeSantis is threatening school boards and districts if they make a mask mandate to take away their state funding? Are you for real? Giving out vouchers to parents if they get upset that their child has to wear a mask at public school, they can get a voucher to go to private school. Let's keep talking about how we're defunding education, right? Are you serious? Are you serious? Duval County said, listen, <laughs> we're gonna, you gotta wear this mask or your parent has to opt out. Like, that's it. That's all we can do for you. Because Children under 12 cannot get vaccinated if their parents are going to get them vaccinated at all. That's neither here nor there. But they can't get vaccinated. So why would you not do everything you can to keep children safe? Teachers. Some of the teachers won't get vaccinated. Why would you be okay with sending teachers? And then you tell like, well, the teachers are, the teachers don't have to be mandated to get vaccinated. They don't have to be mandated to wear a mask. The children can't get vaccinated and they don't have to be mandated to wear a mask. But you see that children are getting sick more and more due to this variant. And you think, well, what would Donald Trump do? <laughs> Like, that's the game that they're playing. Governor Greg Abbott, seriously? Seriously. That's all I can say to you. A child that's not even one year old has to be airlifted 150 miles away because none of the pediatric uh, emergency rooms have the beds available for the child. Really, Greg Abbott? But then the Texas education agency comes out and says that they do not have to tell parents when a child is has covid they do not have to contact trace and basically if the parents have their child around somebody who has had covid they could still send their children to school what are y'all doing what have the children done to y'all the child don't care whether they live or die at this point Ron DeSantis talking about some, I mean, would we rather someone who's under 50 get sick or would we rather someone who's over 50 get sick? It's like, why not make it so that no one gets sick? Like, why not both? Por que no los dos? I don't get it. I don't. Why do we have to choose between the children and the elderly? How about you do something to make everybody in your state safe? Where your state keeps breaking the freaking record for most cases in a day. Every day. When your state, Florida, is responsible for one in five new cases every day and then together with texas 
one in three new cases. Like that's how many cases are going on between the two states. One in three cases, new cases of COVID are in those two states. And there's 50 of them. <laughs> when I say I'm tired, I'm tired. I'm really tired. Like these are the elected officials, the people who are getting money because some of y'all elected them. I can tell you that I would never vote for a DeSantis or Abbott, but some of y'all elected them. They're getting money from the taxes we pay and they're not using it to try to keep us alive. Like that's sad. It's embarrassing. Honestly, truly. Honestly, truly, but whatever. Speaking of using your money for ridiculous reasons, your former president, the former guy, he he is now um, fighting the ruling over his taxes. So I told you last week that a judge ruled that the Biden administration had to release the former president's tax returns to the House Ways and Means Committee chaired by one Auntie Maxine Waters because they've been asking for these taxes for months, maybe a year and some change, and they haven't gotten them. And the DOJ was like, listen, just give up the taxes. And I mean, rightfully so. Almost every president would maybe back to like, Nixon, Reagan, far, far back. All of those presidents have shown their tax returns. President Bush, President Clinton, President Barack Obama showed his taxes and his birth certificate. President Biden, Kamala Harris, VP, showed their taxes. Why can't the former president show his taxes? That's neither here nor there. However, apparently legal scholars are saying the basis of his case aren't bad. Like he has a tinge of legal standing because he's arguing that they basically just want his taxes to like fuel some kind of partisan witch hunt investigation and just like make, you know, a mockery out of him or whatever. Like that's what they're going for. Uh, Anyways. Um, but yeah, he's like, I don't want, I don't, I don't want y'all to have them. Why? Why? You got to be hiding something. Who fights this hard? I mean, well, apparently he fights everything. Like he like goes to litigation and everything. And that's how he's been able to continue the grift for so long is because he'll just go into litigation for like years and years and years. He has the money to keep doing it because y'all keep giving him y'all's change. Y'all's hard-earned money so he can grift, especially these days. Now he's got like $100 million. And that's why the Republicans can't leave him alone because he has money in this, what they're calling a a war chest. Money that y'all gave him to keep tearing this democracy apart. (laughs) So that's where we are with that. So I don't know... um, I don't know who's going to get that case, what judge is going to rule on that case. At this point, like, give up the tax returns. I'm so sick of it. Like, if you weren't hiding anything, you would have had some tax returns 
off years ago and we'd been able to keep moving but clearly you're hiding something tish tish where are we in that investigation you inside let us know let us know speaking of tish james the attorney general for new york baby tish came out on tuesday i think it was it was tuesday and that hair was laid enslaved and she kept whipping it back and forth whipping it whipping it and when she stepped out i said oh she got some ish keep whipping that hair she stood up at that podium and she said the investigation into the harassment allegations against governor andrew cuomo of new york were complete and the investigation found that he was absolutely guilty of what they said he did. He had harassed young women, former and current aides of his, during work and outside of work. And he had also created a hostile, retaliatory work environment that made people basically just terrified of him. It was either you're on his good side or you're on his bad side. There was no in-between. You could not push back on him for any reason. People that complained were just moved to maybe other departments or other areas or people just ended up having to quit because it was that bad. And baby, she came out. She had the independent investigators with her. They investigated and they said, we looked over tons and tons of evidence we looked at text messages we looked at stories we had witnesses come and every single one of the 11 women that were accusing him of harassment had people or information or details to back up what they were saying and every single one of the 11 was a credible witness and baby all i could say during the whole thing was mm, 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 the whole time because i'm not surprised i'm not surprised at all when they show that picture of that man holding that girl's face and she looked terrified i'm not surprised i'm not surprised at all but yeah so if you recall there were i feel like the last time i reported on this there were like five or six women but apparently even more came out some of them wanted to be you know anonymous didn't want their names to be said and i think it says a lot when an investigator can tell you that 11 people came forward and had enough evidence that all 11 not like six out of 11 not like eight all 11 had credible information down to what they called the contemporaneous text that this one young lady was like sending her friend in real time when whatever he was doing was happening she's basically texting her like girl you would not believe what just happened to me and like had a whole conversation thread of what was happening to her live. Like, I was like, oh, this is not looking good. This is not looking good at all. If you recall, I told y'all 
that or maybe I didn't tell you guys maybe it was a, a, a daily update on Facebook follow me there D-I-D-J-A the news where I put um daily updates of basically what's going on so basically he had given an 11 hour testimony um a few weeks ago and that's how we knew they were like closing they were closing in on the investigation so he gave a testimony for like 11 hours they questioned him and basically basically he like told one of the investigators that he was like had it out for his office i think because he had already done another case with one someone who like worked with him and that person ended up going to jail i think so he was like telling this guy his last name is kim was telling him that he was like biased and this wasn't fair and all that stuff like that and Letitia james had to come out and be like listen the governor asked us to do this independent investigation and we did it independently. So we really don't have time for your shenanigans. And I was like, that's right. That's right, Tish. Like, talk your ish because don't come for me because you've been sexually harassing people and you don't want nobody to know. Anyways, yeah. So basically, also, they said that when they talked to him, the reason that they kind of figured out that the harassment was true was because his his responses varied. It was either I did it, but I don't remember it that way. I don't remember doing that at all, or I didn't do that at all. So it sounds like a classic case of he was doing something, but he felt like it was like natural to him. Like it was fine but he didn't realize that it was uncomfortable like apparently one of the ladies who uh, might have i think so there was one of the ladies who definitely had a history of like sexual assault had been like assaulted before or whatnot and i don't know if he was like asking her questions about it but the questions were inappropriate for sure and (laughs) he said you know well that conversation did take place i did ask her those questions but he felt like she was just sensitive because she had before dealt with sexual assault and it's like sir how embarrassing so it was just stuff like that where he thought that he was having a normal conversation with these ladies or like he was doing something that he guess he felt was reciprocated and the lady was like no like it absolutely was uncomfortable for me i don't even know how he got that i felt comfortable probably because i was nervously laughing i don't know so and then like i said some things he said he didn't do he still says he never touched anyone even though apparently a a sheriff officer who was like part of his (laughs) security detail or something like that apparently he like ran his finger from like her belly button to like her hip whatever like touch her inappropriately she said she was uncomfortable with it he still says he never touched anyone one woman said he for sure put his hand under her shirt and groped her breast he says that's not the case he women said he kissed them he wanted you all to know because he did he did (laughs) It's embarrassing, y'all. He did come out after 
they did and and played like this pre-recorded video where he basically was like he never touched anybody and he's Italian and that's just how they get down. It showed all these pictures of him like holding people's faces and like kissing them on the cheek and forehead and some were like dangerously close to the lips. And I was just like, I know you, I know you did not come out here with a darn PowerPoint presentation of you <laughs> doing the stuff that people have said was very inappropriate to them. Like, what? What? And yes, there were people smiling in those pictures, but you know what I do when I am uncomfortable? I sometimes like smile or laugh. Most times. When I'm uncomfortable and I'm like trying to determine how to read a situation, I might like nervous laugh or smile, but in confusion. Like, I don't, the presentation was insulting and not helpful after investigators came out and said that 11 women absolutely told the truth or had information to back up that they were harassed by you and you come out with a PowerPoint saying, but this is how I do everybody. That old lady on the street, I, I kissed her. That old man, I touched his face. Like, it was embarrassing. And as we all know, he has quadrupled down on his innocence and is not expected to resign, even though... <laughs> Everybody was like, sir, please, for the love of all that's good and holy, if you love the Lord, go ahead and resign. Go ahead and resign. The president, I think you should resign. The New York senators, Gillibrand and Schumer, I think you should resign. The state legislators are ready to impeach this man. And impeachment is different in the state, especially in uh, New York. I don't know if it's the same for every state, but apparently in New York... When you have the vote, the impeachment vote, it's not just like the legislators, like the state senators, state reps. No, like the judges, all of those people can vote. And you have to have, I think like two thirds of the people to vote. And like over that, over that many people have said, we will, we will vote to impeach. So it's not looking good for him. And once again, like I said, impeachment in the state is different. Once they vote, if they vote to impeach, he doesn't even have his powers as a governor anymore. Like someone else would tempor temporarily have those powers. So it's like not really, it's like go ahead and resign <laughs> because if you get impeached, you're not going to have, you're not going to be able to do the job anyway. And the issue is like, how do we get the job done? Like the job needs to be done. There's things going on, covid is still running wild. Like somebody needs to be able to do the job. Are you going to be able to do the job without the distractions? And I don't think the answer is yes. I just don't, especially now because four district attorneys requested materials from that investigation. And one of them, one of the ladies has already come forward to press criminal charges. So it's not going to just blow away. And I, I saw a lot of people saying that like for white men 
this could easily blow away. And sure, I get it. Like, he can kind of just lay low and just hang out until the next um, election. And he could get reelected. Apparently, people were bringing up parallels of like Bill Clinton and stuff like that. And that's exactly what happened with Bill Clinton. Like, he was impeached. All of that happened. He just kind of like lay low and kept like pushing and boom, forgot all about it. Like, Everybody blamed Monica Lewinsky, even though she was like 22, 23, 24 at the time. She was a child. He was a man who was much older, who had way more power than her, who definitely deserved the blame. He didn't really get it like that. So I totally understand. But hopefully, I'm hoping during the time of the Me Too and all of that stuff and the wokeness that y'all hate so much, uh, the cancel culture which really should be accountability culture i'm hoping that it doesn't go that way but it could it could we know that from history it has so it could i mean our former president was accused of many a thing we saw and heard many a thing from him so and he still got elected president and he still gets support so we'll see how that goes Always going to keep watching. Always going to (laughs) keep trying to bring you guys the updates. Thank you so much for listening this week. I really appreciate it. Once again, you can follow me on Instagram. You can follow me on Facebook. Like the page. Did you hear the news? You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks. Bye.